Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. G'day listeners. Hello listeners. How are you this fine Tuesday morning? Hopefully as good as you, Coxie. I'm putting on an act. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm excited because you're going to love this podcast episode. It is a cracker. Yeah. Now to use Nicole's lingo a bit, um, we loved this episode sick. We did love it sick. Are you trying to be it, all it young? It surprised me. Are no, you trying to be young not. and stuff, Coxie? No, I think sometimes my kid's vernacular kind of creeps into mine without really realizing it. Oh, I'm throwing things across the desk. <laughs> that's how serious that's how, I am. That's how excited you are. I am um, excited. It's a cracking episode. Don't you agree? So my, my Chuck Norris segue, yes, I do agree with you. Um, generally, I find that's the best option. <clears throat> so <laughs> the, uh, the, the Chucky Norris segue into you trying to be all young and stuff is that um, this bloke played – uh, for the Titans. Yes, amongst others. And the Cowboys. I think he did his longest stint at the Cowboys. Did he? And the Warriors. And the New Zealand Warriors. Mm. So um, he's he's played league at a very high level, if you Correct. consider the um, Australian competition to be a very high level. <laughs> we here at Tradies and Business do, most definitely. Uh, but, yeah, he's um, he's a former NRL player. And um, pretty good career, actually. It was funny when we connected with today's guest, Coxie, I, um, I, his name didn't actually ring the bell for me. Uh, and then when I actually went and stalked him online, it's like, oh, that David Miles. <laughs> I happened to mention to uh, the Encyclopedia of Football Knowledge that lives in my household that I was doing a podcast episode today with said guest and he's like oh and he did this and he did this and he did this have you ever experienced the builder's encyclopedic knowledge about football i know of his um his uh ability to rattle off player stats and game outcomes and everything when it comes to league (laughs) (laughs) it's just a little passion project of his mostly through his own experience with his brother who played super league i think that's where it really started I don't know whether to be um, impressed or worried. I'm worried. (laughs) Each to their own, I guess. (laughs) Anyway, um, this is our introduction to a very good episode from a uh, a former professional sports person um, who had a pretty pretty decent career in NRL. And um, I guess, uh, well, it was kind of funny because he mentioned towards the end that um, his position at his his field position at the Cowboys uh, <laughs> was filled by some unknown bloke who didn't really do much good at all, called Jonathan Thurston. So the guy um, with the funny laugh. <laughs> For our lady listeners that don't know, the guy with the funny laugh. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave that alone, just in case someone picks on my That's laugh a cute too. Puff. No, yours isn't like that. <laughs> anyway. So, uh, professional uh, footy player who went on to start a business mm. that is, um, by all accounts, doing pretty damn well. And 
I really like today's episode because we've had some sports people on before and you know we have lots of business people come on for interviews that share their tips and their insights and their lessons and it's all been fantastic. I particularly liked David's take on the parallels between sport and business mm. in a way that I haven't heard done quite so well before um, and probably a little a little differently, actually. Um, so we talk about, uh, you know, good coaches and good players and the relationship between the two. Uh, David shared his um, basically uh, top three things that make for a successful business owner. Um, the three attributes for a successful mm-hmm. business owner might surprise you. Uh, probably the number one thing that he thinks is... Um, probably overlooked and important when it comes to actually getting more of the right customers. So it was sort of his um, his number one marketing strategy tip. And this is from a bloke who runs a franchise with 21 locations covered in Correct. Australia. Correct. Um, that, uh, and he's never been on the tools in it. He's literally approached it as a business guy, not as a tradie, and yet it is a trade business. So uh, I think you will get lots out of today's episode, listeners. And if you don't, then you're probably dead. You weren't listening. Turn your ears on. <laughs> Listen up, people. Enjoy. We loved uh, our chat with David. Looking forward to chatting again with David another time. Send us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Really keen to hear about what you think and feel about what Dave has to say. Enjoy. All righty. So we're joined today by Mr. David Miles, the big boss at Gutter Night among other things that we'll find out about. Welcome to uh, the Traders in Business podcast, mate. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Good to have you here, David. I'm, I'm looking for your horse and your sword or your, what do they call those sticks? The jousting sticks, whatever they are. <laughs> yeah. I think, is that yeah, the knight? No, I don't, <laughs> they're, they're all hidden at the moment. They are, <laughs> yeah, I don't keep them on display. <laughs> I would have been impressed if you turned up, in the, dark. <laughs> turned up in the suit of armour or something, mate. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I didn't even think of that. You got me there. <laughs> oh, we've got all the great ideas here, mate. We do. So, David, uh, you are the big boss at Gutter Night. Um, tell our, our listeners a bit about, I guess, that side of things um, and, and how that all came about. Uh, and then, no doubt, Coxie and I will uh, we'll dig up some dirt on you during the episode, mate. Yeah, gotcha. Well, well Gutter Night, it, this is our eighth year. Um, it'll be eight years in August. We started the company, um, myself and a business partner. Uh, how it came about was I was actually in a previous life, uh, I was doing some business coaching and um, I got our bookkeeper, long-time bookkeeper, said she had a client who's struggling. Uh, the, the wife lost a job at Qantas. He had a gutter business. Can you help him? I said, yeah, yeah sure. So first thing I did was Google gutter guard because I had no idea what it was. <laughs> then um, <clears throat> went down and met him. So traveled down the coast and, and met and within, within a month, okay, we can do something here. Within a couple of months, he'd grown his business to where it, he'd never been in, in the third month. Um, he, he did the same thing and then basically said, look, that's probably as much as I want to do. I said, that's fine. I uh, got him out of trouble, which was great. Um, able to keep the house, etc. cetera. And um, so then I went back to back home and said to my wife, Jess, 
I'd always wanted to franchise something. I just didn't know what or why really at the time. But then <laughs> I said, do I think we can franchise this? So I, um, I rang, I rang the guy down the coast and said, look, this is what I want to do in Brizzy. Do you want to be involved? And he said, nope. I said, all right. Oh, um, that, so from there, uh, <laughs> I, uh, just, yeah, started gutter night. So that, that was eight years ago in August. Jeez, wow. Mate. Yeah. And how many franchises, yeah, so, uh, franchisees have you got now? Well, we're in 21 locations now across Australia. Gosh. So we've covered, apart from Northern Territory, I don't think they have gutters up there. <laughs> so we're not going there. I <laughs> um, don't need them. And, um, yeah, that's right. And so everywhere else we are. So last year was a big expansion year. We went, got to Adelaide, um, Canberra and Tassie. So we're, we're in everywhere else now. Um, so that's, yeah, it's been, it's been good growth, but been steady growth. We haven't tried to, you know, put 10 guys on in a year. It's more controlled as we made some mistakes early on. Um, and uh, try to do one a quarter, you know, three to four a year, and that of the right people, and we're happy. Mm. So, David, did you did you start by jumping on the tools and learning how to install the gutter guard yourself, or did you start this from the position of a business owner? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I really didn't have a choice, Coxie, because I'm scared of heights. So I've got a confession <laughs> to make. So. <clears throat> Uh, we have a, I have a gutter guard company, but I don't get on roofs. So <laughs> Love it. from my side Best of things, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it, we just don't mix well. So, um, yeah, from, from that, it was set up for me not to be on the tools hundred percent, uh, or either of us because so really it was starting from scratch and I guess that whole ignorance is bliss, right? So mm. not knowing anything about it. But coming from a business point of view um, and understanding where I think any business, 80% of its sales and marketing, in my experience anyway, I found, and you can get professionals to do what they do, mm. do best and you stick to what you do best. And that's that's been why the models worked well. Uh, people don't want me on their roofs, <laughs> you know, um, that's for sure. Uh, so I, I stick to stick to what I'm best at and then you get people who are experts in their field. That, that, that's sort of how we've done it. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. rare that we come across a trade business that's set up in that business mindset, unless somebody's bought into yep. a franchise, of course, where yep. the, the model's already there, I guess, and they're buying into that model. But to do it on your own yep. the way that you did, it's actually really interesting to me because I've been saying for many, many years that it can be done within the trades particularly. Yeah. I, I feel it's something that's really yeah. missing in the trades to come in as a, as a business owner and then run that business as a business owner rather than the traditional model, which is the tradie learning on the tools and then growing into becoming a business owner. And they're two vastly different, I guess, people almost. It's, it's, so it's really fascinating to they me are. that's yeah. the way that you found your way through. Yeah, it's, and, and you make a good point. I think from a lot of guys I've spoken to and friends, the same thing is they've done it that way and it is hard to they find it an issue of letting go right because mm. no one can do that as good as them and in their that's their mindset mm. um which you know which i understand they've built something it's their name most of the time um whereas coming from the other way yeah we didn't make anywhere near as the, the margin that's for sure starting off because 
we weren't doing the job. So mm-hmm. when people generally, what I find with trades, they start off, well, they, they're doing everything. They've got to do everything just to make a few bucks. Mm-hmm. And so they get caught in that section. <clears throat> then it's harder to let control go. And then, oh, this is how we always do it, right? And then it, that becomes a harder mentality to change. But um, So from, our, from that side of it, it's definitely been a benefit. Now, David, you mentioned, uh, I guess, that, you know, because you're scared of heights, you couldn't actually um, stuff it up by getting on roofs. Um, and as you were saying that, and, and I know that you, you must love people referencing your uh, your previous career in footy, mate, uh, but I guess I was thinking about... <laughs> we'll be kind. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking about, you know, professional football player, um, franchise owner or co-owner. It's it's not dissimilar as far as everyone has a position to play and they they just they know how to work with the other people on the team and it's a really cheesy analogy, but it's probably not surprising that you didn't jump on roofs and start your business the way other people do because you've had that backing. Do, do you feel like that's relevant or you know have you carried over some of those lessons learned from the football field to business mate yeah that, look you've, you've hit it on the head and and it's great now upon reflection right you know eight <laughs> years down the track as to why i did do certain things but one mm. of the first things was i pardon me what i missed about football i i, I didn't miss it about getting beaten up every weekend i'm sure you but what <laughs> what i did miss up <clears throat> was that that camaraderie that um that doing your job for your team to for a specific goal and so that was what i wanted to build the business around is the whole is it that team environment i don't like doing Mm. things on my own um it's not as fun you know you win and you're on your own Eh, for me win as a team much more fun you know so Mm. yeah a lot of lessons from football or, or any sport um you can transition across to business. You know, there's a lot, you know, discipline, focus, you know, goals, strategy, all of these things that I think a lot of guys don't understand. They actually know um, if they have played sport, doesn't matter what level, yeah. but um, we've all been through it. If you have played a team sport or, or any sport, you can transition it, but it's about making the guys aware of, hey, you, you have done this before and done that, or you can apply this into your business. So um, from from my point of view, I've taken a lot from sport and, and transitioned over and, and created what I missed, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. I think a lot of guys think, oh, this is how you do it because they may have done an apprenticeship under somebody who that's how they did it, mm-hmm. who did an yeah. apprenticeship under the guy who that's how they did it. Um, so you can create something around what you want, but you need to have that plan first about what you want. I think a lot of guys don't start with that end goal in mind. What does the end look like? And then work towards it. Mm. So David, I want to ask about, um, great coaches and great players. Uh, and it's, yep. it's something that comes up where I think there's a misconception that great players make great coaches and, and to be a great coach, you have to be a great player. I think a lot of people understand that in sport, they're they're not related. But in business, there seems to be this idea that you can't actually be 
a great business owner, if you're not a great business coach and vice versa. Like, what are your thoughts on that, mate? Nah, look, you can, you can be whatever you want, you know, and at the end of the day, it's what, what you believe. So for me, no, um, not at all. I think you surround yourself with the right people um, and be open to learning and understanding that there's more than one way to, to do things. Um, mm. I think that goes a long way, uh, being humble and, and learning. You constantly need to learn. Uh, if you want different results, you've got to do things differently, right? So mm. it, there's no point sitting around the pub and listening to all the boys whinge about whatever. Um, well, you know, if that can be changed, you can either do that or you can go and try something different. So I, I, you don't have to be the best. I mean, the best coaches, it's quite funny. The ones now at the moment, um, you know, they weren't necessarily good players, you know, but they they just thought differently to yep. others, you know, and they thought about the game differently and, and they're good at leadership and man management. Mm. I mean, you've got coaches that are good at... Um, getting the best out of players. So what they, but they mightn't be strategic. So what they do is they surround themselves with assistant coaches who are just bloody football nerds and yep. can do that strategy side of it. So they come up with that and then they, they stick to their strength and that's leading the players. So I mm. think it's the same in business. Um, no, you don't have to be a bloody business coach. That's for sure. Um, yeah. You know, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. No. Nah. Yeah. And, and, and what uh, is that anyway? You know, like exactly. that's one thing. Yeah. Sorry. No, we, we've got a bit of uh, good old uh, Australian internet lag uh, going on, David, surprisingly. But, uh, yeah. No, there's, there's, there's the idea, I think, with a lot of um, trade business owners that uh, – they should only take advice from, you know, the Tony Robbins or the Warren Buffetts or uh, the yep. Kerwin Rays, you know, whoever whoever the big names are. Um, but you can you can get so much fantastic feedback from your peers, you know, from your fellow business owners that have just made the same stuff-ups yep. and discovered probably through pain <laughs> better ways to do things. You don't have to go... Yep find the big sparkly names on Facebook. Uh, and I think this, it's a no. common misconception that a lot of trade business owners have. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've got an example of that. We we have a, a conference every year and we get all the guys in from around the country and we get um, how we speak and whatnot. And the, the predominant feedback from that is what they learn is the most is when they're chatting together in their own little mm. groups. <laughs> you know, so you can get whoever the heck you want to come and talk, um, but they get the most feedback from talking to each other. What do you hear? What about this? What about that? So it's frustrating from my point of view as that is. It's great. <laughs> um, so we just expand that model, okay, and mm. learn from each other. It's, it's a huge thing. And I, I think a lot of guys, they might be scared to ask, you know. You know we all have e goes to a point and maybe they don't want to be seen as not knowing something um, when in fact you'll find that guys who are winning in a particular area are more than happy to say, hey, this is what I do. Mm. Yeah. So I think that um, community is really underestimated, like you said, Warwick. 
Yeah, yeah, it's the, the C word, mate, community. Um, so how have you done that with Gutter Night, David? I mean, you've mentioned conference and stuff like that. How have you sort of brought that and some of that footy um, culture that, that or the positive footy culture that you talked about earlier um, yeah. <laughs> into, <laughs> into your organisation? Uh, okay, so what we do is we... We get around to the guys. What we've tried to do, we've got a Facebook page, just a private one. So things get posted on there sort of a couple of times a week, um, not just on business, but there might be there might be mindset things. There might be some books or um, some podcasts people might be listening to. And then it could be, oh, this is how I did this particular job or this is what I'm finding in the industry. So we created that little committee uh, and banter, of course. Like, you know, that's the best part of it, um, especially at the moment. I think the Broncos got a high <laughs> last <laughs> night. So, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the New South Wales guys are having some fun with that. So that that's a really important part. Um, and then... I'm a bit old school with a few things. So we do, when we get together, we do, whoever wants to, does have a few beers, you know. So, and I think that drops people's guards and they get to know each other on a bit of a deeper level. So our, what I've tried to build is that team environment as much as you can when you're in 20 locations around the country. Mm. So that, yeah, I think it's really important. They call each other, you know, they call each other and uh, email, text to see, hey, this is what I'm doing, what are you doing here, etc. I think it's something that if I just reference back to what we do, we'd missed that part of what we were creating. We had a great community, but we were, we probably yep. fell down on some of that networking, that social aspect and encouraged the, mm. our members to get together uh, individually. <clears throat> until the good old Rona came along and suddenly we're like, well, we can no longer catch up with these people in the flesh. We're going to have to do it online yeah. and introduce something as simple as Friday afternoon drinks, four o'clock every Friday for our members. We jump online like we are now on a Zoom call and we all have some drinks together. And that has totally Perfect. changed the conversations we're having in our membership groups. It's, it means that people are getting to know each other on a social level, which immediately means they're more connected and they're more likely to put their hand up and say, I need help or reach out and say, how did you do this? Can you help me with that? So that's been a great positive reflection and change for us. I'm interested to hear though, David, as a non-tradie coming into a running a trade business, what kind of stumbling blocks did you find along the way? And I feel that this is particularly interesting for somebody like myself who came into running a construction business. I had no experience in construction. And I wonder if a lot of the things we sort of fell into were very similar for that reason. Yeah. Well, yeah, look, I think the first one was, uh, you know, what, what do you do? How do you do it? You know, that was for me. I, I, I've never done it. I didn't know what it was until I got on Google. So I learned a little bit through the, the guy I was helping with his business. But um, so I had to find somebody who knew what to do. And the first guy I found um, sort of knew what to do. You know, so it was, um, it was a lot of bumbling. Um, I didn't know how to charge. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to... Um, the ins and outs of the installation. So there was definitely some um, stumbling blocks and skinning of the knees. Um, I had to sort of fight the straightaway section of once the other, I guess, competitors out there found out that I wasn't a tradie, you know, that they would be using that as, oh, he doesn't even do the job. So once I heard that feedback a 
couple of times from clients, oh, do you do the work or have you ever done this type of thing? I say, like, okay, well, you got a couple of ways you can go. But for me, I just prefer the honest and say, just like I said to you at the start is, no, I don't do it. You don't want me to do it. You know, <laughs> that is not what I'm good at. I've got guys who are experts that do that. I do this side of the business. I run this side. Um, and uh, that's what works and you'll get a better result for it. Mm. So there was definitely some skinning in the knees and, and pain early, but, and we also kept it simple. That's probably another key that I think guys get um, over, yeah, overcomplicate things. Mm. I think once complexion, you know, it, it uh, complexity, sorry, it, um, it just slows everything down and makes it a lot harder so we've just do gutter guard okay so we dabbled so here's another mistake people say oh do you do gutters um yeah you know so <laughs> then i'd okay try to work that out um then but what was happening it was just getting too uh too complex to this it was it was just not our model so we just made that decision of we'll find good people that we will refer work to that we're comfortable to do so and know that they will provide the same service and quality that we we provide in all the different roofing aspects um, and we just stick to gutter guard so from that point of view we've been able to streamline 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 our processes um, our our systems and that was that what that first two years was of us running it as a pilot before uh, we with before we went to do down the franchise route so I had everything down pat before we did that but it was it was a process it was a it was definitely a couple of years and and it was a, a bigger process than I had um, actually <laughs> thought it was going to be but um, it, it was fun definitely learned a lot <laughs> There's a lot of lessons to learn, that's for sure. I, I mm. just want to take you back to something you just referred to there because we, yep. we actually just came off a call with a client um, not five minutes before yeah. we started this interview in which we were recommending exactly what you were just saying, establishing some long-lasting relationships in the yeah. trades where you're able to refer to one another. It's such a great business model to simplify and do the thing that you do best and then find some like-minded partners that you can refer work on to who do what they do best and have the same sort of mindset about how to service a client so that you're guaranteeing a result in the end. Those networking opportunities yeah. are sometimes hard to find because it can, you know, like everyone, we can go through a few tradies to find somebody that sits well with our business model and how we work. How important was that to your business to get that referral back to you for what you were doing? That's a really good question and something that's quite relevant right now that I've found because early on, um, we were heavily, heavily geared towards Google. Like 98% of our work was from Google, and um, which we thought was, yeah, cool because we got to number one pretty quickly, yeah. um, which was great. Think And then so got comfortable. Then what happened, the people we had doing our SEO, et cetera, did something that Google didn't like and um, gave us a smack and we ended up on page three. So you may as well not even have a website. Mm. So the business went from flying along good growth to bang, costing five, six, seven grand a day for us in lost revenue. It was like, holy shit moment. Mm. Um, so that was, while we did that, it was like, okay, while we sorted that, how else we get business and first thing was well alliance partners i so say who else has the same client as us 
but is a non-competitor. So for us, for example, you know, roofers, gutter guys, builders, etc. along that. So it was, I had a goal of getting the, our lead generation from down from 98% to 50% in uh, from online and offline strategy. So a variety of each. So that, that was a quite a big wake up call. And what I think has happened there, we got that, you know, six or so years ago. So what, what that's allowed us to do is build this wide base of referral partners um, that both refer to us, but also we do to them. Um, so it has helped us through this period, through this whole Corona thing. Uh, we are getting work from places for free in because of the relationship we've built over the last few years. So for us, and I think that's what's happened to a lot of trades mates even that I have who rely on one builder, two builders, for example. I think those are the guys that are a little bit concerning at the moment because of the numbers of the builds that are going to drop. Mm. Uh, they're talking sort of potentially 50%, you know. I know that they did that, proposed that new grant yesterday, so hopefully that helps. But if you've got one builder you work for and his new ones drop by 50%, well, you know, that's going to flow onto you. So, And a lot of the guys work on 8, 10, 12 weeks of scheduling, right? So that might not even hit them yet. Mm. So I think you're 100% right. Strategic part or alliances are a way to secure your business for leads even when one if so, one thing stops well you've still got these other ones um, so it gives you a bit of secu- it gives you a lot of security in your business and it's something that's underused and underutilized i believe um, and i don't know why whether yeah i don't know why but it's um, it's something that i definitely definitely would recommend to anybody listening to, to get some a few alliance partners and work together and help each other's business. Okay. Uh, yes, we're interrupting. <laughs> we're good interrupters. <laughs> we're interrupting Hello, ourselves. Trains. That's like that feels nin- uncomfortable, actually. I don't like that. Ninja-level interruption skills. G'day, listener. Uh, so, sorry to bust into your uh, episode, but we have a really important announcement, Coxie. We do. Are you ready? I want to do some whoop, whoop, whoop or something like that to make everybody stop and think, what on earth is she carrying on about now? I need to listen. All right. So we just want to let you know that the Trade Desk is still free. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's free. The code for you to get it for free is tradies for tradies That's the number four. Now, what the hell is the Trade Desk? Well, we did an episode about this uh, recently, I think on my Queen's birthday holiday, Coxie, where um, we ran through what the Trade Desk is and all the other things that we do. So go back and find that one. Um, but basically, the Trade Desk is a big box of tools and a set of instructions on how to use them. And me and Coxie giving you pro tips on how to use those same tools, plus a bunch of other people who have used those same tools to get amazing results in their trade businesses, teaching you how to suck less at business. Uh, And essentially, it's free at the moment. After that, it's 49 bucks a month, so it's cheap as dirt. Um, It'll change the way you run your business. It's, it's what it's aimed to do is change the way you're doing things. It doesn't require a hell of a lot of time. It doesn't require a hell of a lot of money. Um, but it's a really simple way for you to change the way you're running your trade business. So if you're not 
totally happy with how your business is running at the moment, check out the Trade Desk. Just go to www.tradiesinbusiness.com.au forward slash Trade Desk and you'll find out more about it there. There's a cheesy video that we hate um, explaining it. <laughs> and uh, We do. And you can click the button and when you get to the coupon question, put in the code TRADIES for TRADIES for your first month free. So if you're looking for a flat pack solution to your trade business woes, come and find us. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that was so cheesy. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au. David, what are some of the... Um, I guess, like working with franchisees, you'd see a... a variety of different people um, getting results in their business that perhaps they, they're breaking molds a little bit you know again if I go back to something I was talking about earlier which is some of the misconceptions that people have about business and succeeding in business we think there's there's a particular type of person that is cut out for business and uh, Nicole and I hear people say oh I just don't know if I'm cut out to be a business owner is there a, a mold or a, or a you know a standard kind of person, mate? Or what's your experience with the sort of people who do get results? Well, that that's a really good question too. Um, I think that um, for us, we we have got a mixed, a very very mixed background. Um, we've got sports people. We've got ex-sports people. We've got X. Well, I think we nearly cover all the codes now. We just got a soccer guy on, so I think we just we only short. We don't have rugby. That's it. We've got AFL league and and soccer now. Um, now the um, then you've also got corporate backgrounds. Um, so we've and we've also got photographers, um, council workers, uh, and then we've even got a couple of trades. Now um, <clears throat> the guys. If you look at the leaderboard as such, who are the guys doing the best? Um, they, if you look at what they've got in common, is they are, um, well, one, they know what they want. You know, that's, <laughs> that's a good place to start. Two, they are coachable. Um, and three, that they're willing to learn um, now and, and follow a system. Because what will happen, the guys at the top, say, top 30% of our guys who are just braining it, that's that's they consistently do that then we've got the the body you know the the 40 50 percent uh, that are doing okay they have some really good months and then some okay months really good so and I, that i think a lot of the time is a lot of the time in trade as well as they'll have a couple of good months and then whoop, where's the work for the next job so that that side of things and then and then there's the bottom ones that sort of aren't quite committing a hundred percent into what they are not following the system, not doing what they can or could be for the business. So, but it's a long winded answer. Sorry, Warwick, but I think yeah, as far good, again, it'll just come down to that, the type of person that they are, are they willing to do those three or four things consistently? That's the other thing. You know, we, mm. and we all do it. I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Mate. I get a smack over the head by mentors myself going, <laughs> what are you doing? Sometimes because you, you, you get comfortable, right? And then you yeah. drop off on the things that got you there. And then it's like, Ugh. so you need that little wake up. And I call them one percenters. And 
I stole that from a coach of ours back when I was at the Cowboys and he used to refer to them all the time. They're, they're the little things that, say, the crowd doesn't see you do, mm. but your teammates do. Mm. And they understand that those are little things. You do, you do those consistent little 1% efforts. You know, for, for example, one of them for us is when a guy send a proposal off for, for the gutter guard, you send a text message straight away letting them know. Now, that sounds like, oh, yeah, I'll do that sometimes. But it might end up in their spam, right? So, and you might, you'll only get, if they're getting three quotes, but they get two and then ours didn't turn up, well, oh, that's just typical bloody trade, right? Yep. So, it's sending a text letting them know you've done it. Oh, I haven't got it. Oh, hang on. Oh, gee, I, I got your email wrong. Or have, is it in your spam? Oh, there it is. You know, so it's a one percenter. It, it might only happen one every 10 times that it doesn't get through, but still 10% of the time, right? So um, those little things, and those are the key that I find um, for the guys with the bigger businesses, not just in, with ours, but um, out there in whatever industry is they do those little things consistently every day. Boring as shit they can be, but they get results. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what, are, what about you personally, David? What are some of your one percenters, mate? Yep. Well, one percentness for me, I, I, the more the older I've gotten, you know, the wiser you get, the more grace, <laughs> um, is I, I've, I've found that and I, I, I buy into that, the more structure you have, the more freedom you have. Now, you think about that, it doesn't really make sense. However, <clears throat> for me, it does. Um, it does work and I do allocate time every week to what's important to me. So we've got young kids. So one of the goals of mine is not to miss anything at school. Okay. So that whether that's parade or when they get a when they get a award and things like that. So for me, a one percenter is planning my week on a Sunday based around what that is important for me to do that week. Um, <clears throat> another one is is reflection and um, what. I ask myself what worked well, what didn't work well, where can I improve every month? I go through. Okay, that's another one percenter. Um, that that's the business side. You know, work uh, training health wise for me. If I don't put my shoes out and my clothes out the night before, geez, it's hard to get up. You know, so <laughs> that's a little one percenter as well. Um, you know, now it's colder. I'll even. I'll even. Um, you know, sleep in the, in the pants I'm going to wear in the morning. So it just, that's a one percenter for me, um, especially now that it is cold and dark at five in the morning. Uh, so, yeah, th there's a few that off the top of my head, Warren. No, oh, that's awesome, mate. Um, just on that same subject, David, uh, physical training, uh, mental training, like non-business related habits, how... How much do they relate to success and results in business? Uh, well, the more success that, are, that we are having, um, I now understand it, it is more to do with that than actually what I'm doing nine to five as such. So for me, training training becomes, um, if I don't, if I miss, I only train three times a week uh, and the other days I just do some stretching at home. But um, if I don't do that day, I will notice the next day or my wife will notice what the hell's wrong with you, you know. <laughs> um, so it's, for me, that, that's a really good release. 
Uh, it gets me away. I'm an early riser. So I can go do this, spend the time with a couple of mates for that hour, come home and you know, the kids aren't even awake yet. So I get an hour and a half to myself. Uh, that's totally non-relate, away from your phone, um, away from problems and, and whatnot, and spend a bit of guy time. And then mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's hugely important. The same as diet-wise, you know, I'll, I'll know, you know, if you have too many beers too often, you know, it, that, that affects my mental health as well. Um, I like to write things. I've, I've found, and this is from someone who I got through year 12, uh, come through the end of the year that the English teacher thought I left school halfway through. <laughs> so it was never something that I ever thought I would do. But I find it gives me clarity. So writing to me gives me clarity. It makes you think. Mm. Um, so that, those, those are the things that help me mental-wise. Um, making sure that I, I read. I do 20 minutes a day. Um, it's not a lot, but I think everyone can commit to that. Uh, if I said I, I started off with I'm going to read a book a month, you know, but for me, I just never hit that goal. I'm, I may do that now. I don't really know. But sometimes I have to read a page five times for it to sink in, you know. Mm. Um, mm. So for me to say I've got, that's my goal one a week, uh, one a month, it wasn't working, whereas I changed that to a process goal of 20 minutes a day and I can do that. Yep. That that um, Those all help. That's for mental mental uh clarity and also to learn you know i i don't know anywhere near enough as what i want to know that's for sure i'm still bumbling through things especially the bigger we get you know we have Mm. to change systems that i've never even heard of (laughs) um so people say oh you need this what's that you know so (laughs) um and the technology side of things like you know my, my wife she still sort of jumps at me i'm looking at three whiteboards over here because I write stuff down and whereas from that's double triple handling that drives her nuts <laughs> so, you know, but I see it I like it yeah. but yeah. it's yeah. now getting it's taken me months and months to the point where now I've agreed okay we'll get an IT guy in and let's smooth this up a bit and the work he's doing is unreal yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, so for me it, it, it's like oh wow so you know they say people don't like change. I suppose I'm sort of one of them in that regard. But I think if you're not if you're not evolving and changing, you're going to get left behind. And I see us as a leader uh, mm. in the industry, and we don't didn't want to be the best one. Uh, sorry, the biggest one. Sorry, didn't want to be the biggest. However, we want to be the premier gutter guard mm. company where we were the go-to guys. And and what's happening, which is quite interesting, is um, because of our focus of being the premier, the best service and quality and, and materials etc we're gonna organically become the biggest mm. which i think is pretty pretty funny in a way when you look at it that way so mm. whether that would have happened if the sole focus was i want to be the biggest biggest one whether that would have happened i don't know but um yeah it's pretty cool how that's happened happening mm. i like i like how you um made the differentiation david between a goal and a process goal mm. uh with uh, yep. you know, book a month versus twenty minutes a day, and the reality is, if you yep. read twenty minutes a day, even if you do have to do the same page four times, mate, um, that yeah. you'll get to the book a month. You'll probably smash <laughs> the book a month, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And and I feel like a lot of 
A lot of blokes especially get stuck on that. Um, and mm. uh, we did a, an episode um, last week about one of our mastermind sessions that we call a drawing board where one of our members is really stuck but it's on something super simple that's that's really blocking um, growth in the business and real change in the business because he's sort of – I think he's just gotten into a really um, challenging headspace around letting go of the blockage itself. Uh, yep. ha- how do you manage – that yourself or, or with your your franchisees or the team that's around you like when someone gets stuck on something like that it's like book a month i'm never going to be able to do that you know and so there's that inaction because they're so buried under the overwhelm what are some of your tips on how to manage that mate yeah i, I always go back to that keep it simple thing i think i buy into that if you can't explain it to a 10 year old you're doing it wrong um mm. so i i try to break things down and look at them from all different angles um and, and just do that little little bite size progress because i think a lot of the time it comes down to confidence and we all lack confidence sometimes right especially when we are in a growth period because we're just winging it um mm. or there is something that you know you should do but there is that blockage i find a lot of the time it is con- confidence so how do you improve your confidence well if you break break those things down into little little bite-sized chunks it might you know it might be something that minute doesn't seem to make a difference today however if you do it again tomorrow and the next day you're stacking it on but what you're importantly doing is you're committing to yourself i'm going to do that i can do that today and you do that so what you're doing is you're keeping a promise to yourself. And over time, if you keep in little promises to yourself, you start getting more confident. And I think that that process for me helps um, to, for the guys. And it's only because for the guys, that's because of what I do. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm fully authentic and humble to the guys and say, so look, I don't know, but this is what I do. Let's try that. You know, um, I don't profess to have all the answers, that's for sure. Uh, especially when there are so many different personalities, I tend to try my leadership style is more about, well, this is what I do. Um, you, you're more than welcome to do that. Let's, let's do it that way. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know if that sort of answers your question, Warwick, but that, yeah, that's yeah. what I've, I've found helps um with guys and because a lot of the we all a lot of the time want to be macho men right <laughs> when really we're just little kids if we're we're honest and uh <laughs> we're all mummy's boys um so <laughs> i think first of all admitting that and it's okay not to know or it's okay to be scared to do something um if you're not scared it means you're not challenging yourself and if you're in your comfort zone well you know that's that's death to me but mm. um yeah mm. we've got to get rid of this macho bullshit really it's as simple as that yeah. and to have somebody like yourself who's prepared to put your hand up and say yeah well no that's not working this is what i can do yeah. to move forward helps so many other people and i just with so many of the clients that we're dealing with at the moment it's the ego that's gotten in the way of where they want to be yeah. And they've forgotten where they want to get and they've forgotten the goals that they had when they started out in business because ego became the thing that they were chasing. So to hear more people like yourself put their hand up and say, you know what, 
sometimes I'm scared or I don't feel confident or it's not okay and I just don't know what I'm doing. That's reality. That's real. And I feel for far too long, gentlemen in particular have been pushed into a corner where it's not okay to say those things. We have to be macho. We have to be cool and we have to be seen to know. And it's actually fine not to know. We're all here to learn. We're all here to grow. The best football players don't happen overnight. They spend years and years and years training. It should be the same in your trade, whether you are the tradie or the apprentice or the business owner, regardless of your position, the mentality should be the same. We're there to learn and grow within that process rather than feeling like we have to have all the answers and know what we're doing straight up because we just don't. It's, it's a process. Yeah. And I think people understand that, well, in my experience anyway, I find that authenticity overrides all of that, you know, where if you're, if you go genuinely go, I don't even have a clue how to answer your question, mate. Sorry. Um, as opposed to me trying to bullshit my way through yeah. something. Um, yeah. I think that in itself is endearing to the other yeah. people because it's, you're giving off that energy of, of you being authentic and you don't know. And, mm. um, and, and I think that's becoming, or hoping it is, I think there's a turning anyway, where I know with our, our, our we got three, three boys, I know that they don't really have a problem with admitting they don't know something. And I'm hoping that sort of goes through, but um, I, yeah, it is something I would love to see changed because there is a lot of pressure on men and women. But um, to seem to be the, we all want to be the provider. We want to be the good husband, we, mm-hmm. you know, that alpha or, or whatever. Um, but it's also okay to admit that, well, I need some help to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're around the right people, if you said to your mates, look, I'm struggling, I don't even know. And they went, well, you're an idiot. Well, you've got the wrong mates, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that you, that's something that... Yeah, you're in the wrong crowd. So I think by the more communication we can have and, and talk about, I, I think it's brave to, to admit that you don't know or you are scared. I think that's brave mm-hmm. personally. Um, and I appreciate it when anyone says those things to me. Well, I know, uh, <laughs> I know that, um, as we yeah. are, David, you you passionate about mental health, and I guess you know yeah. it, it sometimes seems like a bit of a gratuitous topic. Um, and I also don't think we can talk about it too much, uh, particularly given you know the Corona um, fallout, I suppose, with mental health, and it doesn't seem to be getting a lot of coverage. Uh, certainly not as much as it, it needs and deserves. Um, what's what's your take on I guess particularly men's mental health, you know, it's 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 kind of crap in my eyes that I have allowed myself to feel bad talking about just men's mental health. I'm a man. I think that's, you know, something I'm very passionate about. Of course, I've had my own personal experience with it. Um, I know you're involved in uh, in an organization, mate, and, and feel free to talk about that. But what's, what's sort of been some of your experiences and why are you uh, passionate about that area of health? Well, I guess the short story, of why is through family okay so unfortunately we've been touched by it my my own family and my wife's family so that brought an awareness around the um uh the severity of it and that it can happen to anybody so that was probably the first 
thought of, wow, okay, what's going on here? You know, you're from the same environment. You live in the same house. Um, why is this happening? Um, so for me, I think that a lot of the things out there are fantastic. So you, you, your black dogs, you, everything. All, yeah, they're great organisations. However, I think what the issue is, most of them are treatment models. Okay, so mm -hmm. that's when you're broken. So if I use, let's use a sporting analogy. <clears throat> If you, because that's probably all the only one I can think of. Uh, if if you're if you're Can't imagine coaching a team, and yeah, you're coaching a, a, a team, someone pulls their hamstring, you go okay, go see the physio. Uh, next day, two more pull their hamstring. Go, oh okay, see if it. Next day, another one. You go okay, hold up, what's going on here? You you, you got to start looking at. Well, we don't just go send them to get treatment. There's obviously something going on so what are we doing wrong so what do we need to do before it gets broken so in a in a uh, hamstring analogy you know, you know you need to do more stretching you need to do some core work you need to do some balance work you need to do <clears throat> some whatever work so you, you're getting that preventative side of things so i think right mm. now <clears throat> i don't know the exact numbers but the you know eight eight odd billion dollars that goes into mental health what 90 percent of it is is in treatment mm. i just don't think you get better from treating it like yes it's important and we want you know treatment 100% but but where are we at before that so I think that's where a lot of the space can go in and and for me a lot of it is is emotions again mm. oh shit don't talk about bloody emotions you know <laughs> so for men um, and emotions that we get uh, yeah, and, and everybody gets, you know, there's a there's a space where you're supposed to be, right? You're just supposed to feel, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty happy, you know. You know, you're not supposed to be ecstatic all the time and walk around going, yeah, how good's life? You know, you think throw them in the loony bin. And But the same as with if you're down there, you're not supposed to be depressed and sad all the time, right? Now, that's not saying that, you know, someone passes away or whatever well, yeah you're supposed to be sad right it shows you care we have those emotions for a reason you know mm. uh but the thing is is you're not supposed to stay there you're not supposed to stay in that spot you're supposed to, so what what that people need is strategies how do we get back to where we're supposed to be but first of all that for example is um and that doesn't happen overnight so that, that depression that doesn't happen overnight like it, it's a process right you just drop and drop and drop and through the various emotions, anxiety, et cetera, till you're down in that sort of hole where you feel like you can't get out. So it's first of all is having the awareness. How are you supposed to feel? Okay. I know, I know, remember back at school, they tell you, don't do this, don't do that. Don't, don't feel that way. Don't feel, okay, well, that's what I don't want to be. Well, what do I want to feel like, mm. you know, and, and yep. starting to get, well, what is that? Okay, well, yeah, I want to feel happy, content. Yeah, you know, I want to feel like I'm going forward. So it's first of all having the awareness of how you're supposed to feel. And then if you're not feeling that way, oh, how come? Oh, because mm -hmm. this happened, you know. Oh, okay. All right, well, I've been here for a couple of days. How do I get back up there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, that's where I think the gap is. Um, it's, it's getting everyone awareness about how you're supposed to feel and then that these range of emotions are normal. Um, mm. but then having a process involved to get yourself back to where you want to be. And it, and it's an ongoing thing, you know, at the moment that the whole model of you take these pills every day, 
you know, it's got a place for people with, with acute issues, no doubt about mm -hmm. it. But for the mm -hmm. majority of us, I, I don't know if that's the right answer all the time. It might be for a, for a certain amount of time, but not forever. You know, come on, who wants to take a little white pill forever? Mm -hmm. um, I think that having, having an education process around that, that's where I reckon the gap is, Warwick. And um, that's sort of where... Um, organization that I'm involved with with the next coach that's where we sort of focus on tell us a bit more about uh, about that David you mentioned it uh, I'm sure our listeners would would like to hear a bit more about um, the organization you are involved in mate yeah so basically it's um it's a it's a organization that was built around experiences so uh, in around getting awareness in regards to again how you're supposed to feel but also making it a little a lot more fun so and we find that anything it, the way you want to remember something is if you create put an emotion with it you know so someone can you can sit there and <clears throat> sit there and listen to somebody and, and have no emotion involved you, you retain next to nothing but you know, you, you can, I'm sure you can remember, you guys probably, you know, when Princess Diana, I don't know how old your, your listeners are, but remember when she died, you know, where were you? Like, I can go, bang, I can remember where I was, right? That was, that's, I don't know why she just popped in my head just quietly. But <laughs> anyway, um, that's, that, that's, that's, there's an emotion involved in that, okay? So, but you, you'll remember that forever, you know? Mm. Um, so, that's what we try to do is create an experience around uh, the messages um, and that's that's what we find gets the better better results with people and then having a strategy and system in place that they can refer to when things aren't going so well um, and these are things that I would love love to see in schools but mm -hmm. I think we're a long way off that at the, at the moment but um, you know I think the more awareness if we can come at it from the top down and below with our kids kids next generation doing it from home then you know i think we'll get there eventually i do think there's an element of it creeping into the school speaking from my own experience i've got um i have i actually haven't seen it in my girls schools they both go to single sex schools the girls and the boys yep. um but the boys through their schooling i think they've done actually a pretty great job of starting to put some of these i guess awareness is right. in place. Um, so I do think we're starting to get there. It's just a very slow process. Mm. And I do hope that, you know, the more people like yourself that come out and talk about this or, or our continued conversations with the tradies, we hope that through those conversations and some of this, um, I guess, awarenesses, but also some uh, getting people educated around what this looks like because we tend to only talk about the acute state. We don't talk about the prevention. We don't talk mm. about as you were referencing the healthy range, how actually normal that is because we've always spoken so acutely around it. Many of us fall into the trap of feeling that, okay, there must be something wrong with me because I've felt sad for the last couple of days. In actual fact, it's pretty normal to feel sad for a period of time. If there's a reason to, if there's no reason to, and you're not feeling any better and you don't have the strategies or the resources to pull yourself out of that different story. So these kind of continual conversations around these points just bring the awareness to a broader field, I guess, so that we can then help educate that, that next generation. Again, I do feel that there is some stuff going on at schools, just not yet. Cool. Nearly enough. Good. It almost needs to be a subject at school, doesn't it? 
preparing mm. yourself for life. Oh, gosh. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't get me started on school. <laughs> yeah, what, what they should be teaching them. Jeez. But, um, yeah, no, totally, totally agree. Yeah, yeah. David, I reckon we could probably do a three-hour episode with you, mate. But uh... <laughs> no, I just looked at the time. I thought, geez, it's an hour. Already. I know, yeah, I know, sorry, but guys, I'm conscious I'm of our, our listeners' no, attention spans, and um, a lot of men yeah. out there who uh, probably <laughs> struggle to focus for more than three and a half minutes. So, g'day, blokes. Um, I, I'm I'm going to ask uh, my uh, well-known question for any long-term listeners, and that is, if you had a thousand tradies. In a room, what's one piece of advice you would like to leave them with? Oh, that's a great question. I should have listened more to your podcast right before I got on. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You give better answers when you're unprepared. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh well. Well, I, I think the first thing just pops into my mind there would be um, probably just based on what you said, Coxie, in regards to working together um, find find a group of non-competing businesses with the same target market and build relationships guys and and work together sometimes you'll find you 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 give five ten referrals and you don't get some back don't don't focus on what you're gonna get if you go in with the giving attitude it'll come back to you you know, it's reap what you sow, right? So you got to give first. You can't go in with a, a take mentality. So I think that's probably a big one um, for for trades. I think if if everyone mastered that, geez, mm. you imagine everyone's business. You know, you imagine if you had those thousand people's businesses, how good they'd be. You know, mm. you you're, you just become the go-to guy in in your space, and um, man, that's very powerful and great place to build a business from. Great that? See, that right? How good was that? And you were unprepared. There you go, yeah. mate. You perform better on the fly. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to be cheeky That's and it. ask a follow-up question, Coxie. Um, so, yep. mate, uh, given your your sporting career, um, and for anybody who doesn't know yep. about your sporting career, we'll uh, we'll have to dig some dirt or, or get some some cheesy old photos <laughs> or something, mate. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I wanted to ask, mate. Um, What's what's the biggest thing from your sporting career that's that's impacted your life? Oh, do, do you know what it is? It's um the people I met. So for me, the the people that I had access to, that's been the biggest thing. And because you know, like it just the way it is, it was easy. You had you had this group of men and women around the club, and a lot of them were really successful in business. Mm. Um, and that to me, that was a, that's a crucial point for, for my development since I've still got mentors from, uh, when I was at the Cowboys. So what's a, I left in 05, they, they bought a fellow called Jonathan Thurston. I don't know if you heard of him, but he took my position. <laughs> so, um, so I, I'm still in touch. And from that network that I've got there, it's expanded to others. So, you know, in, in my phone book, I, I've, um, I've got some pretty big hitters that I can call on. So that for me has been the biggest takeaway. Um, and from that, I've developed a system around 
putting my own little board of directors together and, and experts in the field that I believe are. So, you know, I've got a guy I call on for my health, you know, a guy I call on for wealth or business leadership um, and uh, a parenthood. One of my things I just want to be the best dad and husband I can be. And um, so I've got a guy who I would never ask about business to, but geez, anything to do with being a dad or husband, he's a gun, you know? So yeah. I think and that all stems from, that takeaway from footy, yeah, um, mm. from mm. from sport and and having those people around you. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, I reckon that's that that's been the biggest impact or takeaway awesome, from mate. football for me. Yep, love it. That was completely unplanned, mate. I'm glad I asked the question. Yeah, me too. <laughs> cool. Awesome, mate. Well, look, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast, David. Um, like I said, I reckon we could probably knock out a three-hour episode. So. Uh, perhaps perhaps you'll be on our list of alliances uh, that we want to chat to, mate. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah if, if listeners want to find out more about um, your organisation, Gutter Night, obviously, um, best place for people yeah. to do that. What is it? Uh, yeah, look, just, just online. I mean, the website's gutternight.com.au. Um, Instagram's just gutter underscore night. Look, I think we're in a heap of other places, mate. But, the, the, or, you know, just find me on LinkedIn and reach out. You know, I'm more than happy to help where I can. Um, and, you know, I like to hopefully think that I can give a bit of value to people. So if they want to reach out and say good day, go for it. Awesome. Thanks, David. It's been great to have you on the show. No worries. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.